So can you just start by telling us a bit about you and your health journey? Yeah, sure. So uh, about me, uh, my health journey, I suppose, is a, it's a big part of me. Um, it all started when I was 24 and I was um, working in advertising, advertising, marketing, media, and um, I was at the airport one morning when um, I was flying home to see family and I had a stroke. I didn't realise it at the time, but I had um, a form of virus in my body and that caused a brain hemorrhage, like a stroke. And so went into hospital, spent the next three weeks in a coma, um, two months on life support and over a year in hospital. So I acquired a ton of visible and invisible disabilities. I live now with a permanent brain injury. I'm in a wheelchair with my left leg, right toes, and nine fingers that's amputated. Um, a bunch of other stuff, which I can go into if we have time, but now I work as a disability consultant because I realised that media marketing, advertising industry loved, loved that work, but... Um, there wasn't a lot of, um, there wasn't any representation of disability or very, very little, but there um, there was also a bit of a gap in terms of people telling them how to do it um, with that lived experience of both with the disability but also with industry experience. So I'm, I'm trying to do that sort of work, that sort of work now as well as managing chronic illness and disability and all all those sorts of things. So it's it's a bit of a bit of a juggling act. And what was that experience like for you? You know, having a stroke, that's obviously very sudden. Like that's not something you were expecting at all. It just happened and then it completely changed your life. Yeah. Well I don't remember any of it. So I, I sort of talk through what happened, but I'm going on what um, my family told me and they had reports from the, because um, I was travelling alone, um, what airport staff told them and hospital staff told them and everything. So I have roughly six months of amnesia prior to um, the stroke and about four months after I have zero recollection of what happened. So I've filled in the gaps based on what my family and friends and everything have told me. But um, I don't remember my my ex boyfriend where I worked. All those all those mm. sorts of things. But it was a, a strange feeling, knowing I don't remember coming out of coma or anything. Yeah. Nice recollection being awake in hospital was roughly four months after, and it was a weird feeling of on one half of the um, on one hand I was fucking terrified, and on the other hand I was bloody grateful because I knew that I wasn't supposed to be alive. I wasn't supposed to have lived through the night and all these all these things my family told me that every day they'd go to ICU and then hear my my life support machines beeping. I had every organ in my body had shut down and so every organ was being kept alive by machines. And the fact that machines were beeping they knew I was still alive and that was that was a relief. So the fact that I was still there was was great. But on the other hand, I was really, really <laughs> just depressed. Every day I found out something else was going to be chopped off and 
Um, I also had 24 years worth of stereotypes in my head that told me that disability meant all sorts of shitty things. Um, you'll never work, you'll never, you know, get a relationship, you'll never have friends, you'll never have all of these things, which in my my personal experience at Total BS, um, everyone has their own experiences, but, you know, I've found a really fulfilling work and found a really wonderful husband and all these all these things which um, I'm now doing. That's that's really why I do a lot of the work I do now because I knew that I couldn't do anything about my physical body and couldn't do anything to change my permanent disabilities and chronic illnesses, but I had these years of business experience and industry experience and I could do something to change the industries and all of the um, all of the stuff that was telling us that our lives with disabilities and chronic illness were worthless and were not valued and all of those sorts of things. So that's what I've been doing, partnering with people in the industries and, and with people with disabilities, of course, and helping them to, to do that sort of work and change, change perceptions. And what was it like going back into that space? Because obviously you already worked in those areas, but then your life had completely changed and then going back, what was that like and were there any challenges you faced? I went back to working advertising after my stroke for a little while and I loved the work. I, I still do really, really love the creative work and writing and working on briefs, but as someone with a brain injury and I'm over 25% blind now and, and all sorts of things that I have, I have trouble with processing and other things related to my brain injury, um, it just it wasn't the sort of work, you know, working from 8 a.m. till 9 p.m. It wasn't the sort of thing in an agency, but I still do work on content freelance now so I can I can work on that sort of work on in my own hours of work work with producers just not in an agency setting but I love the work it really really excites me but just being in an agency like I previously was wasn't wasn't right for me so now I consult with agencies about how to write scripts and how to plan cameras and how to do the work so it's not tokenistic so it's not a, a real dumpster fire <laughs> you know people with disabilities that just don't you don't look at it and just cringe and think that's so wrong and where do you think we are at at the moment with diversity in the media do you think we've come very far it's definitely improved there's a long way to go so it's not perfect but there's there's a long way to go if I look at it um say when I was a kid for example it's nothing like, like it like it was, you know, 30, 30, 30 40-odd years ago. There's been leaps, come ahead and leaps and bounds. But in the last maybe five, ten years, it's it's really, it's really taken off. So I, I won't say everything's done, there's nothing else to do because um, I did a TEDx talk recently and one of the stats that I used was that in advertising alone, 
um, recently also NADA showed that um, people with disability are featured only 1% of advertising during prime time. And that's bullshit because, you know, 20% of the market. And, I mean, your audience would know this, 20%. And 1% is it's just stupid because we're all walking around with credit cards saying, yeah, we want to buy your stuff. So, <laughs> sell to, uh, you know, market to us, sell to us. And just from, you know, socially, it's a, it's a great idea, but I've got a business background and financially and economically, it's, it makes really, really good business sense. So that's, that's something that businesses should, should pay more attention to as well. Yeah. And do you find that com- there's like any pushback from companies? Like, or do you think they are open to that diversity and maybe they just aren't sure how to do it? Or do you think they just, don't want to. I definitely not sure how to do this. Like conversation I have with them when I present. Um I I go in and talk to them and say, you know, guys, there are there are no super not guys, guys, girls, everyone. <laughs> there are there are no stupid questions here. Um because there's there's so much fear in the room. Um and I I start by saying I used to be one of you. I was I was that really scared copywriter who was I was so terrified of saying the wrong thing, doing the wrong thing. I did, I did nothing at all, basically, and that was so wrong with me. And that's that's how so many of them are. They just they're terrified of of doing the wrong thing, getting called out. And we all sit around and we have a, a rule that nothing that's nothing that's shared is is going to get called out on Twitter or anything like that. So they're they're free to ask me the the silly questions, so to speak. And if I don't know the if I don't know the answer, because I'm only one person, I don't know everything. Um I'll I'll certainly pass them on to the 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 indigenous man with disabilities or something like that, or the the gay guy with disabilities who will know the answer. So I'll pass them on to the, the people who do know the answers. Um, but there's there's a lot of there's a lot of fear there. So trying to dismantle some of that fear is, is really what I'm trying to do. And give us really practical answers as well, instead of just saying, do better. Ten thousand word book, do better. It's like, no, no, that's you've you know, knowing how the industry works, you've got really tight turnarounds and tight deadlines and those sorts of things. And that's that's not going to work in, in certain industries. Um, so we need to look for practical solutions. And I worked with Media Diversity Australia um, writing a handbook for journalists, and that it does provide really, really practical solutions when journalists have, say, a 10-minute deadline, um, language guides, and that was written in conjunction with people with disabilities and peak organisations. Um so they can go and find find the right language to use um, or find um, suggestions about where to go for, for more for more information rather than just to, you know, do better on Twitter or an FU. <laughs> that's that's not helpful. So again, coming back to how what would I would have liked when I was the I'll put my hand up and say ignorant, but wanting to learn, wanting to know more, wanting to do better. And if you do better, read my 10,000-word book or 90,000-word book would, would not have helped me. So that's that's the approach I, I try and take. Yeah. I mean, I can't fully, you, know, you can't fully blame people 
because we have been taught like a lot of fear around disability, even just saying the word disability or disabled. And, you know, people have been taught, no, use the word special needs or differently abled. So now we've kind of got to go through and like unteach people what they've learned. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of unlearning to be done and everybody's different. That's the uh, message I, I always try and reinforce. Everybody's different. Don't take what I say as gospel. I'm only one person. You'll have a different opinion to me. So will the next person and the next person and everybody's completely different. Yeah, but I, th- I think it does just come down to the trying. Like I understand that disability can be a bit scary to learn because there are so many different disabilities and they affect people in different ways and that can seem quite complicated but I think it does come down to just willingness to learn and listen I think that that's all we really ask for Tension as well if someone's intention is good and they 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 mean well then I'm I'm not gonna shoot them down and turn around and launch into them about (laughs) A, a nasty a nasty response or or something like that either so you know that's that's just me you might have a completely different opinion no I, I feel the same you talked about before having those stereotypes after you had your stroke how has that changed for you when did you learn oh wait that is kind of bullshit <laughs> um I learned I learned that was that was bullshit pretty early on. So early on I I sort of saw that I could be a I could be a Paralympian or I could continue to be a a sick disabled person in hospital in hospital pajamas, which I already was and still am occasionally. So I, you know, I know that's that's a reality for some people and I definitely am that person sometimes. But that's not all our life is. Um, there's so much more. There's plenty of people with disabilities out there who are, you know, raising raising kids, raising <laughs> doing all these sorts of things. And pre-disability, you know, I was at the gym all the time doing all these great things and I knew I knew I couldn't go back to my old life, but I wanted to you know, not not try and go back to I wasn't that that naive, but I wanted to maintain bits and pieces of it where I could because it was still me. Um, so I'm I'm still, you know, going to the gym a few times a week and I look look a bit silly doing doing what I can on on the but I don't care. It's I love it. <laughs> and um yeah I don't I don't drive anymore but I yeah I worked out I worked out pretty early on that it was it was complete BS but I'd already um I had I had friends in the community and those sorts of things. I I saw what they did, and so I already had a hint that it was it was BS. <laughs> I, but having known people with a disability and having one is completely different. <laughs> and what kind of advice would you give people who do, whether it's in the media or another space, like want to advocate for themselves or for other people? Do it. Do what feels right for you. Don't think you have to be a certain type of advocate. There's only one type of advocate, but 
you have to fit. We, we talk about stereotypes and fitting into this box of, there's only, you know, boxes of stereotypes, but I found early on in my advocacy journey that there's also stereotypes and boxes with advocacy. You have to be like this to be a disability advocate. You have to say this and that's bullshit too. <laughs> so, um, yeah, do it, do it your way. Do what feels right for you. If you want to talk about whatever to be a disability advocate, do, do it that way. Be the authentic and do you do you. If that's if that's if that's the best way you you can advocate for for people with disability, then then great. And within the media space, where do you think we'll be in like five years? And where would you like us to be? In five years, I'm not too sure. But this kind of answers the five year question as well. said. I've said a few times that I would love to be out of a job in that at the moment I do a lot of work with businesses and agencies and people sort of hand-holding and talking to them about this is how you include disability and because I, I completely recognise that it's a, it's a, it's a harder thing to do. It's, it's nuanced and it's, it is a little bit tricky and it shouldn't be. It really shouldn't. It should just be, you and I can say it shouldn't, it's not hard, but we kind of know it a bit, a bit better. Um, but 17 years ago, I had no fucking idea. So I kind of do understand that it's, it's not that easy. Um, so in the future, I hope that there's absolutely no work for me, that all the businesses and all the agencies and everybody is like, we don't need you. We we got this disability inclusion thing down pat. We know all about it. We've got disabled people working in our offices. It's all inclusive. It's we don't need disabled anything. Disability consultants, nothing. They're in all our ads, everything. So that that would be my hope for the future, and that um, I don't have to call even little things. I don't have to call ahead to restaurants everywhere I go. Google going, is it in are there bathrooms? Is there a ramp? Is it there's inclusive design everywhere? Mm. The the whole world is just <laughs> maybe I'm just living in in another world. <laughs> no, I think I think that's what we all want. I think that's pretty much sums up what we're all are looking for. <laughs> Ever since my stroke, I haven't been able to control my body temperature, so I'm always overheating, mm. not just on the year, but yeah, so air conditioning, ramps, and, yeah, that would be <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Sounds nice. <laughs> Is there anything particular that you're working on right now? Any projects or anything? I'm doing some work with Griffith Inclusive Futures, one of the universities here, um, and they're doing some, some really, Griffith University Inclusive Futures, some really exciting work with the researchers and academics um, because researchers and academics do amazing stuff, but the engagement council that I'm on is made up completely of um, people with disabilities and Dinesh Palapana, Dr. Dinesh is is chair of that. And we get together and we talk about some some cool projects that we can do. And one that we're looking at at the moment is 
around transport and the fact that cab drivers are always driving off on people with disabilities, which happens to me all the time. I see a wheelchair or a person with a guide dog and just keep on driving. So we're looking into legislation around that, but there are always um, always tiny little little things where we're looking looking to do whether it's um, environmental. When I say environmental changes, changes to the built environment or or other things, other things that we can work on. But I suppose my my TEDx talk that was took to a whole a whole chunk of time out of my life that's that's about to be released so that that will take a, a few more weeks out of my life to <laughs> that's so exciting though I think that's such an important project yeah it's it will be because it's a global thing and getting getting the businesses to to pay attention because for so long um, and it's one thing that I suppose really I noticed um, when I, I suppose, um, came to do more work in the disability space. Disability and business and disability had always been, um, I looked at it strategically with, with my background. It had always been a help disability because it's a nice thing to do. That, that's good. It's true. We all know it's true, but fuck that. <laughs> I've spent enough wanderings to know that there are people there whose job it is to go look at the bottom of a profit and loss statement and that's all they give a shit about is the dollar figure at the bottom of that profit and loss statement and they're the ones making the decisions about content. And so we need to appeal to them. Um, everybody knows Disability, you know, supporting disability, good for humanity, tick. We've, we've all got that message for decades and it kind of hasn't been changing things. So let's take a different approach. So we've been looking at really ramping up the messaging around disability is financially and economically good for business. So that's, that's the sort of thing that it's looking at. Uh, $1.9 trillion globally is the estimated disposable income of people with disabilities. And like Apple and Microsoft, and the really, really big players have gotten on to this. And so we need some of the Australian players to catch on because the US and the UK, they've been really great, but Australia's kind of just not, not playing ball as much. So I'd really love to see Australia catch up a bit more. That would be great. That would be great. <laughs> Lisa, thank you so much for coming on today. Um, where can we find you and keep up with your work? Um, my website, lisacox.co, L-I-S-A-C-O-X.co is also the same as my Instagram. And then LinkedIn is the other place. Okay, perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. Don't forget to subscribe to get our episodes every two weeks and to leave a review if you are enjoying the podcast. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Sick of It Podcast and Instagram at Sick of It underscore podcast. I'll talk to you soon.